I defined laziness this way last week, and, and it's important for us to have this in, in our heads, and I said it like 30 times in, in the sermon last week, and so if you were here, you remember, but, but if you weren't, let me catch you up to speed. Laziness is the unwillingness to do the right thing at the right time in the right way because something else seems easier. I'm going to read it one more time. Laziness is the unwillingness to do the right thing at the right time in the right way because something else seems easier. And this definition fit kind of what we saw in the book of Proverbs. There was a, a book in the Bible written by some really wise people. And as, as we looked at that and examined that, it seemed to line up. And you'll see that today that definition continues to fit with with what we see in, in, in Scripture. And, and next week even more, you'll just be like, wow, Chad was right after next week. So uh, if you think I'm wrong still after today, that's a terrible definition of laziness, then come one more time next week and, and you might think that I'm kind of at least part right and and i just thought and i in one of my connect groups there was some conversation like does that definition of laziness really work and i never use laziness that way i mean when i think of laziness i think of rest and uh and a typical definition which is averse or disinclined to work activity or exertion indolent and uh And the problem with that kind of normal definition is that it really doesn't have any meaning. There's no line because uh, whenever you rest, you could be called lazy according to kind of the regular definition. And, And rest is not bad, right? Sometimes rest is good. And in fact, the Bible tells us that after God created the world, God rested and i don't think that anybody wants to look at god if they don't want to get zapped or whatever and say hey god you shouldn't have been lazy in those moments you shouldn't have been like that and so i think laziness is the unwillingness to do the right thing at the right time in the right way and and here's the thing ultimately we said last week if we practice laziness long enough we are going to find poverty and we are going to find ruin It's going to cause areas of our life to be just falling apart if we choose to not do the right thing at the right time in the right way long enough. And if you left here last week and uh, you were like me, if you heard this sermon, if you didn't, you can go to our website, uh, creeksidebiblechurch.org backslash the busy sluggard and and listen to that sermon. I would recommend that. Uh, But if you left here last week and you're like me, you might have gone, is this sermon series really about me doing the dishes because we talked a lot about dishes and we talked a lot about toilet paper last week right and putting the toilet paper away when you're supposed to put the toilet paper away and you might have gone home and you might have been like hey that's helpful because i want to have a clean house but that's like a weird three-week series chad is doing trying to get me to do my dishes more often and and, and if you're like me the biggest application to last week was like a conversation with somebody you live with where where the dish was in the sink and then your spouse bryn in my case was like didn't you pay attention to your sermon last week i think we said that like 15 times over the course of the last week like bryn looked at me or i looked at bryn and be like hey you really should have picked that blanket up off the ground didn't you listen to the sermon last week and and so maybe you're thinking like man now my roommates are just ganging up on me or or now my wife or or, her husband is ganging up on me and and really is this just about the dishes and today we're going to take it a step further and we're going to find that the, the issue of laziness is much bigger than just the dishes or toilet paper. It really determines kind of the course of your life. If you're like me, there are certain things 
that you have hoped for, certain things that you want to be, that you wish you did better. Uh, there are certain ways that you wish you acted. There uh, are certain people that you wish you were more like. And, and maybe you have those people, and, and they're in your life, and you look at them, and you think, that person, whoever it is, maybe it's your, your parents, maybe it's a friend, it just seems like they have everything put together. All of their ducks in a row. It's super annoying. I don't even like hanging out with them because they always exercise and they talk about how they just read the new bestseller uh, and they spend tons of time with their kids and with their with their spouse and with their friends and, and they, they always do the right thing at work. And, and I really, I, I wish I was more like them, but I hate their guts. You know, I mean, you, you might have that person, maybe you're thinking of them right now, like, I just wish that I was more like them. And the truth is, I think, that, that all of us kind of wish, like, at least in certain areas of our life, that, that maybe we were a little better or a, a little different or that, that we were the people who kind of had it more put together. And uh, for some of you, you know, that's just the cleanliness of your house. For others of you, it's like, I wish that, that I could get into an exercise routine. For some of you who are Christians, it's like, I wish that I could be consistent with my spiritual life. And I read the Bible and I prayed more. And, and, and there's this, this kind of tension in, in, in ourselves where we're just like, I am not where I want to be might just be one area. You might look at like nine of the ten areas of your life, whatever those ten areas are. You might say, I'm doing pretty good here. But there's this one area where I just, I just can't seem to get it together. I, just, I feel like I'm inadequate. I feel like I'm not where I want to be. What I have hoped for has not been realized. And maybe you're looking back and you're thinking like, man, 15 years ago when, when I was younger and I had a plan or a dream, this, this area of my life is not where I thought I would be. I mean, maybe you're a parent and, and you've had a kid for some amount of time and, and, and when that kid was born, you were like, I'm going to be this kind of parent. I'm not going to follow in the footsteps of my parents. I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do it better. I'm going to be there for my kid. And, and now you're sitting here today and, and as I talk about not being where you want to be you're like man i just i haven't been i haven't been the parent that i want to be maybe some of you it's work and and you thought like man i want to i want to accomplish this and and you set some goals and and you look back now and you're a couple years away from it and you're like i haven't moved at all towards those goals i haven't done it at all maybe it's just kind of your life and you're like this isn't where i planned on being i mean i i didn't i didn't think that this right here is where I would end up. I expected something different. I don't know what I expected, but I hoped for something better than this. And it just doesn't seem like I'm in the right place. Maybe for some of you, it's your marriage. And, and you're like, man, when we got married, I thought it was just going to be awesome. And that we'd be like those people that, you know, in 50 years that are celebrating our anniversary together. And, and we're kissing and we act like we're teenagers because we're just so in love. And, and you're just maybe a few years in and you're like... I don't know. This isn't what I pictured. I mean, this isn't this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I had hoped for. This is something different. It's not as good. And today is not about the dishes and it's not about toilet paper. It's really about you getting what you hoped for. And in the book of Hebrews an interesting book in the Bible, a book that we don't know who the author was, but if you read the book of Hebrews in the Bible, you would, you would agree with me, I promise. Go home and read it, I dare you, because you'll walk away going, that guy's pretty smart. 
Or that girl's pretty smart. We don't know who the author is. But whoever wrote that book is pretty smart. I mean, they really, they knew what they were talking about when they started writing this letter to a group of people. They, this is no dummy. And, and this author, whoever this author is, writes down some words that basically say, I'll give you the clue on how you can become what you hope to become. How you can accomplish what you hoped to accomplish. And so, starting in Hebrews 5.11, this is what the author says. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make clear to you because you no longer try to understand. And the author is writing about Jesus, and he's talking to a group of Jewish people, and he's saying, look, Jesus is awesome, and he's really your Messiah. And he goes into this part about, about Jesus as, as a priest, and he pauses right here, and he says, I want to tell you more. But right now I can't tell you more because you have chosen not to understand. Now, if you've been around church, and and all of you haven't been, I know, but if you've been around church for a long time, then part of that verse right there is familiar to you. But you have heard it translated probably in the King James Version where it says dull of hearing. You maybe have heard that before. Uh, And maybe you've like, if you've ever stopped to think about this verse and you've heard it before, you've been like, those people were stupid? Because that's what I think of when I think of dull. Like if, I, if you came up to me and you're like, man, that sermon was really dull, I would think, well, it's either boring or you think I'm an idiot. I mean, right? And if you called me a dull person, I'd be like, eh, that means I'm not sharp, right? I mean, and, and that's not a compliment. Am I stupid? And, and we can't assume that everybody that he's writing to is stupid. In fact, the word that translates there, you have chosen not to learn or you're dull of hearing, is actually a word that means, you could probably guess, lazy. The real translation of it, and, and we'll see it in chapter 6 of this same letter that we'll get to in just a minute, is actually lazy. And for whatever reason, Mr. King James and, and his people that were translating the Bible decided to put dull. Maybe they didn't like the idea of laziness. Maybe they don't want to deal with their own laziness in their own lives. But somehow it, it got put passed down to us as dull. But really the issue here, is he is saying, look, I want to say more to you about a topic, but you have become lazy. And then he explains, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And so he uses this metaphorical language, and the metaphorical language says this. Basically, you should be mature in your faith, but you have chosen to be lazy about listening to the things of God, about understanding what God thinks is right and wrong. And so, I can't talk to you about certain things that I should be able to talk to you about. Now, if you're a Christian in this room and you know Jesus and you try to follow him, then maybe already at this point you're like, yeah, that's a, that's a little convicting because I'm pretty lazy about reading the Bible and I'm pretty re- lazy about seeking God's will in my life and I'm pretty lazy about prayer and I'm pretty lazy. And maybe you're feeling convicted already. This isn't even the point of the sermon. But I would just, I would just encourage that you, that you think about that conviction and, and you make a decision not to be lazy but the bigger principle what i what we're headed and and where we're moving towards and what we see in this is that these people had become christians sometimes er, sometime earlier and i'm sure when they become christians 
they were super excited about where they'll end up. Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna remove sin and I'm gonna get better at following Jesus. I'm gonna know so much as a lot of Christians will do, and this is gonna be an exciting adventure. And then they had chosen to be lazy towards hearing the things of God, and they had not moved forward. They had not moved towards their goal. They had not accomplished what they had hoped for. And so here's the thing, as we move towards finding an explanation for how we can accomplish what we hope for, here it is, ready? He's moving towards that issue, and and he's saying, look, if you are lazy in whatever area of life, if you don't do the right thing at the right time in the right way, then it will leave you immature and not mature. You will be like an infant in that area of your life, whether it be the dishes I clean up dishes like a teenager, I can admit that. Or, or, or whether it be your spiritual life, or whether it be your work life, or whether it be your, your marriage, or whether it be your friendships, or whether it be the way you interact with your family. If you are lazy, you don't choose to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. Because something else is easier and simpler and, and more fun or whatever it might be, then you will look back and you will say, man, I'm pretty immature in this area. Of my life. And flips over to chapter 6 of Hebrews and he says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. And so he looks at this Jewish group of people and he says, look, here's the elementary truths of Christianity. And he says them in a very... Uh, Jewish way, a, a very uh, Hebrewish way. And, and he's saying, look, these are the things that you should already know. And then Hebrews 6, 4 through 7, pay very close attention to this. He says one of the, the most controversial things amongst Christians in all the Bible. Now, if you're not a Christian, you'll think, like, this isn't one of the most controversial things. I mean, like, the Bible's teachings on homosexuality, the Bible's teachings on divorce, the Bible's teachings on hell, those things are more controversial. And, and, and truthfully, yes, those things are more controversial when we get outside of the church building, but sometimes in the church building we argue about stupid stuff. Uh, and this is one of the, the stupid things, just a little kind of picture into Christians and how we operate. This is one of the things that, like, we really like to argue about for whatever reason, what he says next is that it is impossible for those who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tested, tasted excuse me, the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public grace. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this at all because it's not the point. It's not really the driving force of the passage of Scripture. Uh, But I'll just say this. Some people say, uh, just theologically, this is the paradigm they come from. Once you become a Christian, you can never unbecome a Christian. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how far away from God you go. You cannot stop being a Christian. On the other side, you you have a group of people, uh, theologically, who say you can lose your salvation. And the extreme of it is, hey, you sin today and your salvation can be lost. And, and what I want you to hear is this. This does not mean, this does not mean that just because this passage of Scripture does not allow for you to think, I prayed some prayer when I was a little kid. I don't care about Jesus now. I don't follow Jesus now. I've never really lived for Jesus. I still get to go to heaven. 
This passage of Scripture does not allow for that. doesn't. This passage of Scripture also, and no passage of Scripture in the New Testament says, that every time you sin, Jesus says, oh, you're no longer my follower, you're kicked out, you need to do something else. does not allow for that. And there are people who think that. It does not say, look, you messed up, you made a mistake, you're a sinner, now hell for you, sorry, I don't really like you that much. You've got to jump through all my hoops every single day of your life. And so if you're in one of those two camps, I won't give you my full opinion on this passage. It's always formulating, to be honest. But, but if you're like a person who says, well, I prayed a prayer when I was a kid. I don't love Jesus very much now. I don't live for him. I haven't talked to him in 30 years. You're not a Christian. What the passage of scripture is saying on the flip side, if you wake up every day and you're freaked out because you might make a mistake and you might look at the right thing and you are wrong thing. You might say the wrong thing and you might end up in hell because of it. Then this is for you. And it's saying, look, stop worrying about all that. Just do your best to live for Jesus. The real warning in this passage of scripture, the real warning is against laziness in the faith. He's saying, if you are lazy, you're going to end up. Somewhere that you don't want to be. And then on the flip side, he says something else. And he begins it with this metaphorical language in Hebrews 6, 7 through 8. Land that drinks in the the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for who it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned now here's he brings us right back to where we started he brings us right back to the question why if given the same amount of rain and rain would be blessings things that you have been gifted with your life the resources you have the talents you have the abilities you have uh, the, the the necessities for life that you have given that two equal parties receive the same rain It seems that some produce thorns and thistles while others produce a crop that is useful. And so the question is the same in your life. I mean, here it is. Ready? Like, wow, that person seems to have kind of the same intelligence level as me. About as good looking as me. They kind of grew up in the same home as me. They have the same education as me. They have the same resources as me. Why is it that in that area of my life, some area of my life, it seems that all I produce is thorns and thistles, while they produce a crop that is useful to the world and useful to their families and useful to the church and useful to everybody around them? Why is it? It's a great question, and it's a question he answers, and specifically he's talking to Christians when he gives this answer that I'm about to get. Specifically what he's talking about, before I even read this, this really key part, the part that, that we need to pay attention to today, the part that we need to have in our heads and in our minds and we really need to grasp a hold of, he's specifically saying to Christians, if you want to be assured of a place in heaven someday, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and you love him and you want to have assurance in your soul and say, wow, I really know I'm going to go to heaven, then this is how you can do it. This is how you can produce a crop that is glorifying to God. Now, if you're not a Christian, I hope that you'll become one today because what I need you to hear is that what we hope for 
as Christians is far greater than what you can hope for. You can hope for a, a better life. You can hope for a better family. You can hope for a better job. You can hope for a better car. But you cannot, apart from Jesus, hope for heaven. It just doesn't work for you. And so I hope you'll be compelled to be like, what do I really hope for? And how is it going to matter when I'm dead? Because Christianity is better in that regard. But no matter what it is you hope for, I think that the author answers this question for us. How do we obtain what we hope for? He says, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have showed him as you have helped his people and continued to help him. Two things to notice here. First of all, he calls them dear friends. He isn't saying, look, I hate your guts, you're idiots, you're stupid, you should have been smarter, I can't believe you've been lazy. He says, look, beloved is the actual translation. Beloved, people that I love and I care about and I want to see you succeed, I'm convinced that better things are in store for you. And he says this because he knows of the work they have done and the love that they have shown God through the work of helping other people. Now, this is a great litmus test. If you're like, okay, that laziness thing, that's a little broad. I don't know how, how that applies to my life. I mean, doing the right thing at the right time in the right way. I mean, what's the question I can ask to determine if that's true? Here's the question. Is it helpful? That's kind of a, a just kind of important. I mean, is it helpful? Let me just give you a couple of examples as we move towards like really discovering how we can accomplish what we hope for. Here's a question. Like if you want to go to a movie and you're like, well, that pastor guy said, Chad said, I mean, that, that I shouldn't be lazy and I should do the right thing at the right time. Movie sounds fun. Is it the right thing to do? Here's the question you can ask yourself. Is it helpful for you to go to a movie tonight? You say, well, how could that ever be helpful? Well, I'll tell you this. If you're hanging out with people that need to know Jesus, and you go to a movie with them, that's, an, that's a very helpful thing. If your wife or your husband really likes movies and they're excited to see a movie, and you, you go with them to that movie, and, and it's a good time for you to hang out and enjoy each other's company, then it's helpful. If you need to take your mind away from some things for a while and, and you're just at a, in a place where it's like I need to get away from a distraction or a temptation and a, a movie is a good place to go to get away from just what, what Satan is trying to do to my mind, then, it, then it's helpful. Here's, here's another one. Is it helpful to go to bed early? I mean, you could be lazy when you go to bed early. You could just be tired and I don't want to do what I'm supposed to do. I don't want to spend time with those stupid kids out there. You know, I mean, I don't want to spend time with my dumb spouse. I just want to go to sleep. It's so much easier. That's not helpful if that's your attitude. But if you know that you have to do something tomorrow that, that's going to require your brain to be firing on all cylinders and, and really going to require you to be mentally there, then it might be helpful for you to go to bed early. Here's another one. Is it helpful for you to go to work today? And is it helpful to the right people? Most of the time, right? We say it's very helpful for me to go to work today. But, but if you're like in a career and you're, you're working too much and it's Sunday afternoon and you're just going to work because it's easier to get away from your kids or, or you don't really like what's going on at home and you're like, I'm just going to go to work and I got stuff to do there and you're a workaholic, then no, that's not helpful. And so the litmus test for, for, for asking yourself, is this lazy, is the question, is it helpful? 
And then he finishes with just a bang. And you really need to pay attention to this. If you've heard nothing else I say, right now I'm about to tell you how you can move towards accomplishing and getting all that you have hoped for in life. Hebrews 6, 11 through 12 says this. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. So that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. The word diligence refers to eagerness or zealousness or intensity or haste. And in classical Greek, the language the Bible was written to, it actually has the idea of doing the right thing. It's a moral thing. It's not just the way we kind of think of diligent, like really trying hard, but it's actually a word that refers to doing the right thing and being passionate about the right thing. So diligence simply is a passion to do the right thing, whatever area of life it is. Don't become lazy. Don't do the wrong thing at the wrong time because something else is easier. And then, ready for it, imitate those who through faith and patience patience inherit what has been promised. Now, he's specifically talking about salvation here. And he's saying, look, I want you, if you're a Christian, to find somebody who has already lived out the Christian faith, maybe even to the point of death, and they've served God, and they've been faithful to him, and they've, they've lived for him, and I want you to follow their example. In Hebrews chapter 11, a passage of scripture that we studied not very long ago together as a church and we call it stories of old and we looked at some of the greatest stories of the Old Testament. There's a list that I think he's referring to. He's saying, look, follow the example of some of these great men that lived thousands of years ago if you want to accomplish what you hope for. And specifically for Christians, that is the hope of heaven and the hope of Christian maturity. Now, look, whether Christian or not a Christian... Here's what he says. Let me just break it down for you. He says, here's the way in whatever area of life you are looking for to accomplish that which you hope for. He says, have a passion to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. Be passionate about it. Don't just kind of say, well, I'll try to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. I mean, I'll, I'll try to make sure this, the activity in my life is helpful to accomplishing my goal and doing what I need to do. This is really key. Be passionate about it. Almost everybody I know kind of wants to do the right stuff. Right? I mean, there's something in people. It's like, I should do the right thing. But but he's not saying try, kind of care about doing the right thing. He's saying, look, be passionate. Be passionate about saying, I'm going to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. And then find somebody who has already accomplished what you hope for, and follow their example. That's big because it's hard in life, right? I mean, you have those people you want to be more like. There's things you want to accomplish. And if we just kind of sit around and say, I'm going to try to do the right thing at the right time, the right way, I'll even be passionate about it. But we don't know what that is. We don't know how to move towards what we hope for, how to accomplish what we want to accomplish because there's no good example in our life, then we'll never really succeed. But if we look and say, well, that person has lived an amazing Christian life. I'm going to do my best to follow their example. Then we might have a chance of succeeding. If you're like, that person has, has lived, a great, lived out a great marriage, I'm going to follow their example, then we have a chance. Let me just let me say this to you in a way that hopefully you'll remember because it's so important. Laziness leads us away from that which we hope for. Diligence 
with a positive example to follow, draws us towards that which we hope for. Let me say it again. No matter what area of life, I want you to put this in your head, whether it's your business or your marriage or or your your friendships or your family life or or your relationship with God. No matter what it is, this principle is is what he is saying, and, and I think it's true because we can see that it's true. Laziness leads us away from that which we hope for. Diligence, with a positive example to follow, draws us towards that which we hope for. If you say, I I don't care about doing the right thing at the right time in the right way because it's something else is easier, it's more fun, it's just more pleasant, then you're going to be led away from that which you hope for no matter what you hope for. But if you passionately desire to do the right thing at the right time in the right way and you pick a positive example to follow, then you will move towards, you will be drawn towards accomplishing that which you hope for. Now the author of Hebrews He shows us how this can happen. He's specifically talking about moving towards heaven. He's saying, look, find an example. If you want assurance of heaven, we don't work our way into heaven. That comes through Jesus. But if you want assurance and you want to know you're going to get there, then what you need to do is be passionate about doing the right thing at the right time in the right way and follow an example of somebody that you know that is a Christian and they're passionately serving God and they're faithful to him and they're doing the things that you know you ought to be doing. Follow their example. And the principle applies in just about Every area of life. I mean, think about this. You're looking at your marriage, and it's not what you hoped it to be. And you think, man, in another five years, what I want is for my marriage to be better. I want my marriage to be fixed. You have a couple choices. You can sit around and say, well, I'm just going to do the easy thing. I'll just keep going through the motions, I, whatever. I mean, I'll yell at my spouse when it feels easier, and we'll go to bed mad. Ang- we'll go to bed mad and angry when when that's simpler than trying to make up. And uh, we're not going to do whatever's difficult. We're just going to kind of go through the motions and do whatever's easiest. You will be led away, and you'll look back in two more years, and you'll be led away from that which you hope for a better marriage. Or, or you can say, okay. This is not going to be easy, but I am passionately going to do my best to do the right thing at the right time in the right way in this marriage. And you can pick an example. You can find somebody that has a good marriage, that, that, is, that is succeeding in their marriage, that has the marriage you really want, and then try your best to follow their example. You want to be a better friend to somebody. Laziness leads us away from that which we hope for. Diligence with a positive example to follow directs us towards that which we hope for. You want to be excellent in your work? Don't be lazy. But instead say, I'm going to passionately do what's right to succeed at work. I'm going to passionately do what's right and at the right time in the right way. And I'm going to follow an example of somebody who has succeeded in my line of work, who has accomplished what I hope to accomplish someday, and I'm going to follow their example. You want to get good grades. Laziness is not going to do the job. If you're in school and, and you're like, man, I really want to get good grades, but I know I should study and I'm not going to study. No, here's what you need to do. Be passionate about studying at the right time and, and be passionate about studying in the right way and find an example of somebody who has succeeded in school and say, what did you do? How did you work it out to do so well? Because I want to accomplish just that. If you want to make a contribution to the world, you can sit around and you can say, well, that'd be great to like do something that's important and helps people and it's cool. 
But this is so much easier to sit here in front of this TV. Or you can be passionate about doing the right thing at the right time in the right way and find an example to follow. You want to break an addiction? Laziness is not the answer. Sitting around saying, oh, whatever's easiest today is not going to work for you. But being passionate about doing the right thing in the right time in the right way and following an example of somebody who has broken addiction and addiction is the right way to accomplish that which you hope for. Here's the thing. In our world, what I've noticed is that people choose to do the easy thing. They're lazy. They might hope and desire to do something great or better or whatever. They look at their friends and say, if I could be more like them. But they say, I'm just going to do the easy thing today. And here's, here's really the bad problem, the, the issue that I see so many times. Is that genuine, generally we don't choose who we follow. The honest truth is, you probably right now, whether it's your marriage or your work or your your uh, your relationship with your kids or whatever it might be, you're probably following your parents or whoever raised you. You're probably just doing what they did, and you've never maybe even thought about how lazy that is just to just follow their example, and you're not like, you've never stopped to go like, I'm not really what I hope to be, I'm really just like my parents, and the truth is, it's because you haven't made a decision to passionately do the right thing at the right time the right way, and you haven't picked your example. Your example just kind of picked you through birth, I'm sorry, but you haven't said, I'm going to find a positive example, and I'm going to diligently follow that example. I just want you to imagine a world, just imagine a world where people didn't just lazily do the easy thing, but instead they always tried to do the best thing, the right thing at the right time in the right way, and they picked an example to follow in that endeavor. I mean, just think about the problems we have, like, like parents, right? I mean, statistically, if you were abused as a child then you are going to abuse your kids. And the problem there is that that's the easy thing for people. It's the easy thing. It's the way that they've seen. They follow the examples they've seen. They haven't picked a good example on how to be a parent. They just do what comes normal and natural and it's easy to them and they don't make a decision to do the right thing, but they just say, I'm going to kind of do what I've always done. And maybe they'll say for a minute, abusers, hey, I should probably not do this, but they're not passionately. Desire to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. They're not saying, look, if the right thing for me today is to go to a counselor and say, look, I have a problem. I hit my kid. If that's the right thing and they're not passionate about doing that right thing, they're never going to be what they hope to be. They're simply going to be what their parents were. And if they don't find a good example, say, man, what makes them a great parent? Because they're the type of parent that, that I want to be. And they're never going to succeed in accomplishing what they hope to succeed at. I mean, maybe, and just picture a world where, where every person who, who is beating their kids or has grown up in an abusive home says, I'm not just going to do the easy thing, the thing that's most natural to me. I'm going to just passionately do what's right, and I'm going to find a good example to follow, and I'm going to do my best to be just like them and not like the example that I grew up with. Think about how that would just change our world. Or what about like our economy? I mean, what if, like, just instead of people saying, well, it's so much easier just to buy this thing now, I mean, I'm just going to put it on my credit card, and that's the example that, that I've seen and, and what media tells me I should do and what the credit cards tell me I should do. What if instead of that, people said, I'm going to make this purchase 
or I'm not going to make this purchase based on what the right thing is. I'm going to do it at the right time. I'm going to do it in the right way. And how about instead of just saying, well, my parents were always in debt and it's just the easy thing to do is hand the credit card over and get whatever I want. We're like, hey, I'm going to be passionate about doing the right thing the right time in the right way. And I'm going to find somebody who's been financially smart and financially has followed what we think God should would want us to do. And I'm going to follow their example. Wouldn't like our economy be fixed? I mean, wouldn't like our economy just get better if we started to like, like actually put into practice what the author of Hebrews says? I mean, think about all the addictions in the world, and if we just said, look, I'm going to do what's right. To people that had addictions, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to be passionate about that. I'm going to follow an example of somebody else. What about in marriage? I mean, marriages are just falling apart all around us, right? And what if, what if instead of just doing what your parents did, you said, I'm going to passionately do what's right, and I'm going to follow a good example. I'm going to find a good marriage, a marriage that has lasted 50 years, and they're still in love, and I'm going to sit down with those people, and I'm going to say, what is it that you have done? Because it's not as easy as you make it seem to be on the outside. What is it that you have done to make your marriage better? What if our politicians didn't just do the easy thing that would get them reelected? I mean, what if they just said, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do it in the right time and I'm doing it in the right way no matter what happens to me. And they found like one of the five politicians that were nice and good and they said, I'm going to follow that person's example. Wouldn't like our whole country just change? One of the people you work with just said, instead of just kind of getting by at work, I'm going to work hard because it's the right thing to do. And Can you just picture a world where we followed the advice of the author of Hebrews? I mean, because right now the truth is that most of you are doing what is easiest. And you're probably doing it based on an example that you saw growing up. But what I'm asking for today is that you make a decision to say, I'm not going to do what's easy. I'm going to do what's right. And I'm going to be passionate about doing what's right. And I will. I will find an example to follow that is good. And not just an example that was handed to me that fell upon my lap that the media gives me that I read in a book once, whatever. But I'm going to find a good example. And so here's, here's what I want for, for you. If you're not a Christian... It's easier, it's broader. I want you to find, and even if you are a Christian, you can apply this too. I want you to find it or think about an area of your life and go, man, I hope for something different. This week, I want you to do it. Just figure out an area. You probably already know, you probably already thought about it. But like, this isn't what I wanted it to be. This isn't where I thought I'd be in five years. This is what I thought this would look like. And then, just say, what, what would be right now the right thing for me to do about it. What is the right way to go about this? And, and, this is your homework. This is what I want you to do when you get home. I want you to just say, hey, who is an example of a person that has done this well, that has accomplished what I hope to accomplish someday? Now, you may choose. This is up to you. I can't, I can't uh, give you the homework of deciding to follow that example and deciding to do, do right. But if I can just make you aware that maybe you're not doing the right things and that's why you haven't accomplished what you hope to accomplish and, and maybe you're following the right examples, then you'll be well on your way to actually succeeding in, in that which you hoped for. Now, if you are a Christian, I want you to ask this question. It's a little different. It's pretty close, but it's a little different. In what areas of my life am I not where God wants me to be? In what areas of my life am I not doing the things that God wants me to do, learning the things that God wants me to learn, saying the things that God wants me to say? 
And then I want you to say to yourself, okay, okay, because I am a Christian, you don't have as much of a choice. Because I am a Christian, I'm going to do my best to do the right thing in this area. And I want you, I want you to find an example of somebody in that area of life, whether it be reading the Bible and praying more, which we always go to, whether it be some sin that you have in your life that you're just like, I wish I could break this, whether it be not being a good marriage partner or a good parent, and you're like, this is not what the Bible says, whether it be something else, I want you to find an example and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. To follow them. Maybe even if you want extra credit, if you want to go above and beyond, you call that person up this week and you say, Hey, I really admire this area of your life. My area is not up to your standard and I want it to be someday. And so, can, can we just like have a cup of coffee? Because I'm pretty passionate right now. I mean, I listen to that sermon. I'm pretty passionate right now about doing the right thing in this area of my life, about making sure that it's helpful towards accomplishing my goal. And would you just sit with me and talk to me about how you have accomplished that which you hope for? Let me just read it to you one more time because it's so important, no matter the area of your life, no matter what it is. Laziness leads us away from that which we hope for. Diligence with a positive example to follow draws us towards that which we hope for. Laziness leads us away from that which we hope for. Diligence with a positive example to follow draws us towards that which we hope for. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray for all of us, Lord, and and each of us have areas of our lives where, where we are We just, we just don't, don't have what we want to have. We haven't accomplished what we set out to accomplish. That which we hope for has not been realized in us, Lord. And, and God, that's a bummer when we actually take a, a minute to think about it. And God, God, sometimes it's not because of us. It's because life has thrown us curveballs or whatever. And it just hasn't been possible. But, but a lot of times, Lord... It's because we haven't made decisions, sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, sometimes yearly, decisions to to be passionate about doing the right thing in those areas of our lives. And so today, God, in, in this room, I just pray that you would open our eyes to whatever it is you want us to see. You'd open our eyes to what we used to hope for, but we have just kind of let go by the wayside, Lord. And you would, God, Convict us, compel us, encourage us, excite us, Lord, to once again take the steps to accomplish what we hope for, God. Lord, I do pray that people in this room who don't know you would give their lives to you. Lord, because I believe that what they hope for can never be what I hope for. Just convict them this morning that what they hope for is not good enough. It fails in comparison to the greatness of knowing you, Lord. And for those of us who are Christians, who love you, God, I just pray that that you would just put in us a heart that isn't satisfied with, with where we're at. Lord, I've talked to many people who who question whether they'll be in heaven someday. Just as Christians, they even question that. 
And Lord, as we strive to live for you and we're diligent about doing what's right, those questions fade to the background because we know we have a relationship with you. And maybe somebody here today is like, they do believe in you and they have accepted you and they try to live for you, but they haven't been diligent and passionate about doing right. And God, I pray that you would draw them to a place this morning where they become that and so that they can have the assurance of heaven. Lord, um, it's hard not to just fall into the habits of, of those who are in our lives naturally by birth or whatever it might be. That's really hard, God. Some of us have had great examples growing up, but others of us in this room, God, have had bad examples. And it's hard to break free of that, but this morning, God, I pray that you would change lives, Lord. Because people would choose diligence over laziness, and people would choose to follow a positive example versus the example they were handed. Love you, Lord. I pray these things in your name. Amen.